Thank you so much. Thank you, Mary, and uh, thank you to our praise band, and uh, appreciate uh, appreciate you filling in. Aaron is gone today, and uh, he and his uh, show choir traveling today. We appreciate always uh, uh, Aaron and Mary and all their influence in the community. Somebody told me this morning that uh, Aaron's show choir won best choir in the world, so or something like that. Anyway, but uh, they. So we congratulate them on that. And uh, uh, we're glad, appreciate you being here today. Thank you for coming. Cold Sunday in March, but we're glad that you all are here. Would you find Old Testament book of 1 Kings? Bible that you brought, Bible that may be under the pew, under the chair. We hadn't had pews in five or six years. Or uh, find it on your smartphone. We'd love for you to be able to look at God's word today. We're in 1 Kings chapter 1, going to be reading verses 28 through 40. And you want to keep your Bibles open as we look at some further passages as well. Last three or four weeks previous to this week, we have had here on our altar and on our steps, uh, we've had cards that are part of Who's Your Three? And Who's Your Three? We've had two or three years previous to that, we've been doing Who's Your One? Encouraging everybody to have at least one person that they're praying for that is lost or unchurched. We've been asking the church to step up a little bit and put one to three. We had many uh, that uh, did that, we had hundreds or so cards. And, and literally a few hundred names that were on our altar of people who are lost or unchurched that you all are praying for, seeking to invite, seeking to share Jesus with. And we want to encourage you, even though it's not on the altar anymore, it's still part of who we are. You can be a part of Who's Your Three. Always you can do that. You have Who's Your Three cards if you want to make a commitment to that as well. You could even turn part of that in and those names. I can tell you that all of these names that are here, they have been prayed for. And uh, by name, every name that was here, and we don't know who put down each card, but prayed for everyone who placed a card. And so you can know the prayerful thing that you are a part of. And so today, we're starting a new series, but a continuation as we're making this decade, between 2020 and 2030, uh, we're, we're working our way through the Bible. Uh, not every chapter and every verse, but we're making our way. And uh, we're at First Kings 2023, First Kings as we are uh, working our way through. And whether you've been a part of this or not, we encourage you to join in with us and be a part of uh, this as we make our way through God's Word. And so today, we're in First Kings chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verses 28 through 30. This now is the word of God. Then King David answered, call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore saying, as the Lord lives who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel saying, Solomon, your son shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne in my place. Even so will I do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground, paid homage to the king and said, may the Lord King David live forever. King David said, call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king and the king said to them, take with you the servants of your Lord and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, long live King Solomon. You shall then come up after him and he shall come and sit on my throne. For he shall be king in my place, and I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king, Amen, may the Lord, the God of my Lord the king, say so. And as the Lord has been with my Lord the king, even so may he be with Solomon. 
and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. Then Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet and all the people said, long live King Solomon. And verse 40 says, and the people went up after him playing on pipes, rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. I can tell you that it was two years ago this very week that I came down and had the COVID. Now I know many of you have had it, maybe more than once, some certainly a lot worse than I did. And I remember because it was the time of March madness. And you might think that'd be a good time to be at home, maybe a good time to be sick. We'd watch all the ball games, but the problem was I could barely make it from the bed to the couch. And when I did, I couldn't keep my eyes open and those kinds of things. But I will tell you that even today, every time I hear this sound, I get a little sick to my stomach even now. <laughs> Which is a shame because I really love March Madness and love basketball and continue to watch that, of course. It's a little less this year than it was the year before. So I'm hoping by next year may hardly hurt me at all or maybe they'll change the theme music or whatever. Well... Today, when we talk about worshiping and we talk about obeying God, it could leave you feeling a little bit uneasy, depending on your submission to the Lord Jesus and your desire to be able to follow Him and His plan for your life. Sin, for all people, will eventually leave you with an unsettled spirit and a hole in your heart until you ask Jesus to come in to be your Savior and Lord and ask Him to forgive you of your sins and you are ready to be able to follow Him and accept the free gift of salvation. And for those of us who are in the family of God, the Lord never allows you to sin successfully. That is that He will not let you stay in your sin without any regard whatsoever. He will continue to let you know and even have an uneasy spirit until the time that you are ready to have a better fellowship with him because that's been broken because of sin. We recognize that we must get things right with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Because Jesus, we recognize, is not only our Savior, but he's also to be our Lord and our King. We recognize today we're about three weeks, exactly three weeks from Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. We're in that preparation mode, knowing that all passages point to Jesus this passage and our study for these next few chapters of 1 Kings, even these verses, I believe, will help us to prepare and celebrate the risen Lord. Last year, we spent six weeks, six Sundays, as well as uh, on a Good Friday service, talking about the seven words or the seven phrases of Jesus from the cross, hopefully in preparation for that celebration as well. Well, today, we're going to continue to help you with that, even in these Old Testament passages, as we take a look about at these Passages, believing that all passages point to Jesus and we want to continue to help you prepare for Resurrection Sunday and give you tools to help you in your walk with Jesus. Now, some of you have studied these passages before, maybe even recently. Some of you on Sunday mornings, some in maybe a weekday study as well. Well, I want to particularly to see how the kings of Israel and Judah fit into God's plan for history and how these were all in preparation for the eternal reign of the King of Kings. As should be true of the study of God's Word always, it should be for us exciting 
It should be encouraging and certainly should point to the eternal loving nature of Jesus. And yes, I, I want to teach you and I want us to learn together all of God's word and for the application to be impactful for today and every time we read it alone or together. And today and in the coming days here, guess what? I get to continue to tell you stories from the Bible. Do you know where we are in the story of the Bible when we come to 1 Kings? We, we know about Adam and Eve in the garden. We know about the fall, of course, that took place. Most of us know the stories of Noah and recognize the rainbow still as the promise, of course, of uh, God's promise to Noah as well, to all of his promises as well. We know about the Tower of Babel that was people built for themselves, but the Lord destroyed that tower, scattered the people. We probably have heard about Abraham. Abram at first, why God changed his name to Abraham, and we know that he's called the father of faith because he followed God from his homeland to a land that he did not know. And the covenant of Abraham was that he would be a father of many nations and he would be a blessing to all people. And of course, how would be a blessing to all people? Because of his offspring, who would be Jesus. But not only to Abraham, but we understand also to his son Isaac, also to Jacob, whose name changed to Israel. We recognize that Israel had 12 sons, most famous being Joseph, but it wasn't through Joseph in which the Savior would be born. In fact, it'd be Judah. Jesus would be born and he'd be called the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. We recognize, of course, that uh, in Joseph and family, uh, Jacob, his name was changed to Israel. They all went to Egypt, stayed for 400 years. For most of those years, they were slaves in Egypt till God heard their cry. And then God used Moses as the deliverer to bring them out of Egypt to take them to the promised land. We spent 40 years in the wilderness because that generation was unfaithful or did not have the faith. All but two, all but Joshua and Caleb died in the wilderness. But the next generation led by Joshua came into the land of promise, called the land of promise one reason because it was promised to Abraham. And as they came into that land, they had victory because God gave them victory. And even though they lived in the land of promise, they went through a very dark time spiritually. Some of a time called the time of the judges, ruled by judges. Some of those shone shining lights and God used to almost bring revival some, at times to the people. But the people wanted to be like other nations and they wanted to have their own king. Well, God granted them that request. Saul was their first king. That was the people's choice. It was not necessarily God's choice. But David, the man after God's own heart, was the second king of Israel. Nearly 70 chapters in the Bible talk about David, including the one that we're reading today. His great success, all of his successes, as well as his imperfections, are emphasized in Scripture. And 1 Kings opens up like a lot of Books in the Old Testament, I don't know that if you've noticed it or not, but a lot of books in the Old Testament open up with the death of someone, oftentimes the death of someone that God used. In fact, if you look back, you'd see in Joshua 1.1, the very first words were after the death of Moses. In Judges 1.1, very first verses, very first words after the death of Joshua. 2 Samuel chapter 1.1, it says after the death of Saul. 1 Kings chapter 1. Well, David's not quite dead yet but almost. In fact, let me let you look at 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 10 through 12. Chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. It says, Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron, 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of David, his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. Here's what I pray that would happen today and in the days to come as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday and beyond. It is this. 
Together we will look forward with great anticipation to what we can discover about what even the Old Testament tells us about Jesus, the King of Kings, and that we might learn anew or maybe even be reminded of the lessons through many of the kings of Israel and Judah so that we might continue to be unified because there was a divided nation and kingdom that took place and to direct our hearts toward Jesus. And as is always thrilling to me, is that we can look at these scriptures and we can see the footsteps of Jesus even in every passage of the Old Testament. He is there, always was there, always something that we can find for all those who are seeking after Him. If I think it's going to happen today, even in the scripture, we're going to be able to see Jesus in this passage that we read today. And if I can give you a quick preview for today and for all of 1 Kings in particular, these passage and uh, we'll beg these questions today and in the weeks to come. Questions we all need to answer. And it's the theme for the series, who will you worship and obey? Who will you worship and obey and why? What, is your, what will be your motivation? We'll not look at every chapter. We'll not even look at every king of Judah or king of Israel. But we'll look at some of the, those that will help us to be able to see on our journey, more, learn more and more about Jesus. First King 1 King 1.1 begins. We read 128 a moment ago. Very first verse in First King says this. Now King David was old and advanced in years. And though they covered him with clothes, he could not get warm. Here's David. He's old and cold. Can I get a witness, anybody? No, maybe not here. A couple of you. More in the first service, I think, probably as well. I'm not quite there yet. I've got to wear socks most nights to keep my feet warm now. That's more information I realize than you needed probably. But for David, whose story seems to invite controversy, it says that they wanted to help David so they David to be able to stay warm. And it says even to lay with him and keep warm. Well, there was a lady that she attended to his every need. And though the scripture is clear that he did not know her intimately, and I wonder why this is mentioned and why there was a need. We're not sure because she, because David had many wives and concubines and, and there's no indication that she became either, but her name is Abishag, Abishag. And the only reason perhaps it is important for us to know that or even why she may be mentioned in scripture is because she'll play a role later in the story of Solomon and his brother. But meanwhile, while David is toward the end of his life, the fourth son of David Adonijah, we're going to call him, could be Adonijah, we're going to call him Adonijah, declares he will be king in place of his father. Adonijah is now the oldest son. His three older brothers have died. There was Amnon, who was killed by his other brother, Absalom. There's Kiliab, he's never heard from again, he's presumed dead. And then Absalom tried to overthrow his father's kingdom and was killed fleeing in battle. You might remember that Absalom was the one with his long hair, and he was riding his mule, he's fleeting in his mule, and his long hair got stuck in the branch of a tree. And the Bible says that he got stuck and his mule kept going. And uh, so that uh, he died. So Adonijah was next in line to take over as king. He looked the part. The Bible says that he was handsome. First Kings chapter 1 and verse 5 says this. Now Adonijah was the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Now, many of you know the plots of the Bible. You understand that God does not always choose the oldest. He does not always choose the one who is best looking. He does not always choose the one that the world chooses. And should not have David's son known of David's testimony? He was the youngest. 
of his seven brothers, maybe even the runt of the family, and he's the one that the Lord called. In fact, we can remember uh, the words that were spoken when David was anointed. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Well, let's take a look at the heart of Adonijah for just a moment. Now, before we go further, you need to know that we're gonna be introduced to a lot of kings in the days to come, that many of them had a heart problem, yet God still allowed them sometimes to rule for however long for his purposes. But there has to be a reason the particular traits of Adonijah are revealed here. That name Adonijah, does that sound familiar to you at all? Well, you may know one of the names of the Lord is Adonai. In fact, his name means Jehovah or Yahweh is Lord, but he didn't live up to his name. For instance, verse five, we're looking at it now. What did, who did he want to exalt? He wanted to exalt himself. One of the reasons that David is called the man after God's own heart is because he truly wanted to exalt the Lord. In fact, he is the ultimate servant king. He wanted to serve God's people. In fact, we have, a, he, he is a type. David is a type or an example of the servant of the Christ to come. And now that we've spoken well, and we've congratulated David, we see that he is a heart that wants to exalt God as we have done in the past and as God's words sometimes do. Now we, now we are going to see another imperfection of David. Look at verse six, 1 Kings chapter one and verse six. It says, his father had never at any time displeased him by asking, why have you done thus and so? Uh, Adonijah was a spoiled brat. For whatever reason, whether David never had time, was a lazy parent or felt too guilty, whatever the reason, David never disciplined his son. It means he never told his son no. It's been my quest now for over four decades to be able to learn and be able to teach and to live and let other, all believers know that we can love, we can serve Jesus, we can serve his church wholeheartedly and not have to sacrifice the family in order to do so. In fact, your love for the Lord God, your love for the church, we wanna give you tools so that you might, so that we all might be able to love our spouses more, so that we might be able to learn to love our parents and our children and our brothers and sisters as well and our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. Uh, this passage though reminds us of the biblical importance of discipline. Discipline means teaching. May we love our children enough to teach the difference between right and wrong. This passage does not mean that every wayward child though is the fault of the parent. But oh, we wanna give them every fighting chance, don't we? It is my regular prayer for my children and now my grandchildren and my family. It is this, Lord, help us to be able to know the difference between right and wrong as it is presented in your word and please give us the courage in order to choose what is the very best. Adonijah declared himself king. He looked like the king, eldest of David's remaining sons. And like Absalom before him, he had horses and chariots and 50 men running before him wherever he went. And even though he had not been anointed king, he decided that he was going to throw himself a coronation ball, a coronation party. He invited all the prominent people of Jerusalem and Judah. He also invited Joab, one of David's commanders. And he invited Abiathar the priest, men who'd been loyal to David in the past. And he invited all of David's sons except one. He did not invite Solomon. Why do you suppose that was? Because he knew that Solomon was the one that the Lord had promised would be the king. It's an important verse, I think, for us, or verses. First Chronicles 22, six through 10. I think I've got those on the screen for you. 
It says, Then he, then David, called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, but the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You've shed much blood, have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from his surrounding enemies. For his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. And he shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. The covenant, or the promise to David, was that the offspring would continue to reign, his offspring would continue to reign on the throne of Judah as long as there was a king in Israel, a king in Judah. God did not always reveal which of the offspring that would reign, but he did in this case. It would be Solomon. Also, as we read further, we find many of David's descendants did not walk in the way of the Lord. In fact, there were more evil kings than there were good and faithful kings. But God keeps his promises because God is faithful and he has something much bigger in mind beyond the nation of Israel. But in the story that we're reading in 1 Kings chapter 1, there's a coronation ball that's taking place. And I, I've made a list to show you of those who were not invited to the... First of all, there was Solomon that was not invited. Of course, uh, David's son and the future king was not invited to the coronation. The elder son of David also did not invite to his coronation Zadok the priest. Did not invite Nathan the prophet. Or David's chief bodyguard, Benaiah. These three, Zadok, Nathan, and Benaiah, though, would remain and they would be priest, prophet, and the commander, faithful to King Solomon in the future. This, this might remind us, just put these names so that they weren't just names floating around that we read, but this might remind us something that Jesus said. The least in the kingdom will become the greatest. Maybe just a reminder if you don't feel like you're always the one that's picked for the team, maybe sometimes you feel left out. Maybe sometimes you think the world has uh, overlooked you and all of us have felt that way at some time in our life. You can know that God has a plan. God has a purpose. And you have an important place in God's kingdom. Well, as the story goes, Nathan hears about the coronation ball that's taking place. Nathan the prophet, he tells Bathsheba. We read about Bathsheba Earlier, just a moment ago, David's wife and Solomon's mother. Nathan says to Bathsheba, have you not heard? Adonijah has declared himself king and David is unaware. So Nathan encourages Bathsheba to go and to talk to David. Let him know that this is taking place. Remind him of the promise of Solomon. They have kind of dramatic uh, thing that's going to take place as she goes into the bedchamber of David first and then while she's talking, Nathan is, going, is presented as he's presented, he comes in and he tells her, she tells him all the things that are going on, reminds of the promise of Solomon and Nathan comes in and also says the very same thing. In fact, Bathsheba even says, all the eyes of Israel are on you now to see who will sit on the throne. Take a look at verse 30. We read it a moment ago. And this is what David said, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne in my place. Even so will I do this day. This very day, even now, he was going to declare that Solomon was the next king of Israel. 
Well, you've been waiting to write something in your notes. I've given you lots of background. So, so here it is. God has a promise and a plan for the nation of Israel. And his will is revealed through the anointing of Solomon. God has a promise and a plan for the nation of Israel. We read that in the story. We're observing what's taking place. God's will is revealed through the anointing of, king, of Solomon to be king. I've told you all about this background just to tell you. God has a plan for the nation of Israel through God's son Solomon because this has great significance, not just for the nation of Israel, but to God's kingdom. And today we're not necessarily examining the heart of Solomon. We, we will do that in future days. That'll be revealed in later chapters. But once again, David's heart is revealed. You remember the heart of Adonijah, don't you? We, we read it in, a little bit earlier in verse five. He wanted to exalt himself. But did you notice in verse 29 that we read, we first stood up and began to read, that he declared, just before he declared Solomon king, he said, as the Lord lives who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity. Let me say it again if you're not looking at it. As the Lord lives who has redeemed me out of every adversity. He recognized, here are some of the last words that, he's, that David's going to say and he recognizes the Lord's been with him all of his life, even in those self-imposed consequences that he had to face due to his own sins, even those circumstances that were beyond his control. He's declaring God was his redeemer. And through Christ, he is your redeemer in every adversity. You and I must be intentional in exalting God and not self. Now, most of us have... Uh, most of us have received one time or another a school annual. Do they still do that where you have the annual and everybody writes in it, you know, maybe signs their name, you're the coolest, you're the grooviest I've ever, that was a long time ago maybe when they said the grooviest as well. But what's the first thing you do, or what you did when you got your annual? You looked for your picture. I mean, you may already have your picture sitting on a mantle somewhere, but you're gonna see how it looks in that book. And you're going to go through that book. You may pretend that you're looking at everybody else, but you're looking to see where your pictures are going to be in that book. It's a natural thing, but here's the thing. We want to break out of the natural. We want to move from the old nature mentality of thinking of self only or self first and place our focus on God. The process of sanctification and lordship is removing ourselves from the throne of our hearts and letting Jesus reign. So here's what we learn from this passage. Your faith is revealed and strengthened by a God-focused life and not a self-focused life. You want to reveal your faith? You want to grow in your faith? Let it be revealed. Let it be revealed by focusing on God and not self. Self-evaluation, self-exaltation is the word I'm looking for. It leads to destruction. Adonijah is the very example of that. In fact, earlier this week, I, I wasn't even going to talk about Adonijah. I was just going to talk about Solomon. David had Solomon's going to be the reign. But the more I read about Adonijah, I realized, boy, he's an example that we needed to look at as what not to do. David declared Solomon king that day. He was anointed and presented as king before the people, while many of the prominent people were at the coronation of Adonijah. And when all the common people outside... When they are proclaiming and they're yelling and they're singing and they're dancing and they're playing and all that is heard by the people on the inside, all the prominent people, they're at the coronation, they fled in fear. Scripture tells us, we don't have time to read it all, but 
said that Adonijah ran to the altar of God and put both hands upon the horns of the altar and would not let go and pleaded for Solomon not to take his life. Solomon agreed not to take his life if he proved himself worthy. But the very next chapter, he pursues, you remember that name of the girl that took care of David? Abishag. He pursued Abishag to take as his wife, that young lady who cared for King David, and it was a sign of disrespect to the father, David, and his life was ended. A God-focused life reveals faith and strengthens faith. In fact, I was reading in the hundred days of reading that some of you are going through and Luke chapter 17, we find the apostles asked Jesus, or they said to Jesus, these three words, increase our faith. And if what I understood from how Jesus answered that, he was saying, he said, if you'll reveal your faith, if you'll act upon the faith you have, your faith will be increased. Obviously, the promise of Solomon on the throne should remind us Jesus is the king of kings. He should reign in our hearts. Do you see anything else in this story that reminds you of Jesus? We read earlier how Solomon would be presented to the people, to the common people. Let me remind you, 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 33. And it says this. Verse 33 says, The king said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gihon. Gihon's probably in relation to what we know as the Gihon Springs, which is in the Valley of Kidron, just outside Jerusalem, just before the rise of the Mount of Olives. And the placing of Solomon on David's mule to ride through Jerusalem, the placing of Solomon on his mule, David's mule, to ride through Jerusalem was a proclamation that he was the new king. Should we be reminded today, so close to Palm Sunday, just a couple of weeks away, Jesus came riding through on that week before Resurrection Sunday in that triumphal entry, declaring himself to be king. Different kind of king, but John chapter 12 says this, and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. Well, this has been a great passage for Palm Sunday. I'll come Palm Sunday anyway. He's king. Whether you made him Savior and Lord of your life or not, he is king. He's been declared king. Don't be involved in the coronation of yourself or the coronation of Satan or the coronation of this world. Join in the celebration that says Jesus is king. But that's not all. We've been given a future declaration of Jesus as king. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 and 16 says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Donkey, mule, or horse, either way. This is the fulfillment. In fact, it's the fulfillment of what was said about Solomon to come in 2 Samuel seven thirteen. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And the only way it could be established forever was through Jesus. Can you see it? From 2 Samuel to Kings to John to Revelation, this is God's plan. And that God has a promise and a plan for the salvation of the world. His will is revealed through the coming of Christ. His will is revealed through the coming of Christ. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah to David to Solomon, his offspring, a Savior, is born.
Well, this is what we learn from this passage. Your faith is revealed and it is strengthened by publicly proclaiming Christ in words and action. You want your faith revealed? You want it strengthened? Publicly proclaim Christ. People need to be able to see and hear and believe that we know that it's true. Did the people believe that Solomon was really the new king? Yes, the common people did. Well, how did they demonstrate it? Go ahead and look again, verses 39 and 40. For there it says, Then Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him playing on pipes and rejoicing with a great joy so that the earth was split by their noise. Listen, I've been in concerts. I've been in worship services where the ground shook. Sometimes in this very room. But I can tell you something that's even louder. It is a transformed life speaking the truth about Jesus. The only thing significant I know of about Solomon riding the place called Gihon is it was not far from where the coronation of Solomon's brother was being held. And they could hear the music, perhaps feel the intensity and hear the people declaring Solomon as king. So much so that even the adversaries of Solomon had to declare, 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 46, these are the adversaries that are declaring Solomon sits on the royal throne. Come on, don't miss this. May we live such a life, may we love in such a way, may we speak the truth so that people even outside the family of God have to declare Jesus sits on his royal throne. He is who he says he is. And all are invited to take part in his kingdom. God has a promise and a plan for the nation of Israel at that time. God has promised and a plan for the salvation of the world. Let's make it personal. God has a promise and a plan for your family. God has a promise and a plan for you. And his will is revealed through the cross and the resurrection. There's no other way to salvation. There's no other way to be able to get to heaven for eternal life. There's no other way to have a relationship with the divine than through Jesus. And his willingness to die on the cross has proven his love for you. Think of the promises of God that are given in the Bible. In fact, think of a promise right now that you think would be significant for you. How about, come to me all ye who are burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Maybe this, behold, I make all things new. Maybe when Jesus simply said, I'll be with you always. How about when Jesus said, I will bring you to myself that where I am there you may be also. Even the words of Isaiah, so do not fear, the Lord said, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Why should you believe that they're true? Because Jesus has proven himself. He's been presented as the king of kings. He's proven himself by the coming of Christ. He's proven himself because we've been able to look into the future and to know that Jesus is coming riding on a white horse. He's proven himself by the cross and by his resurrection as he overcame death and sin. God's promise, it was to be Solomon and not his brother. It was to be Jesus. He is king today. Not Satan, not anything of this world. Love reigns for all those who are in Christ. 
not hate. You can have courage to replace your fear. You can know joy and peace and it can combat dismay and uncertainty. And so we learn from this passage that your faith is revealed and strengthened by your worship and obedience. To say that you trust God and have placed your faith in Him, it's only really revealed in your heartfelt daily worship and your submission and obedience. Every time you obey God, you declare that you trust Him. It's how we truly say that we trust Him. You know, I'm gonna keep listening to this sound. In fact, I'm going to keep listening until the queasiness goes away. In the days to come, we're going to continue to talk about worship and obedience. May we be able to receive the words of God, to understand what he's trying to teach us from his word, and may we approach it with joy and certainty that these are the words for us today. Let's bow together. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we recognize your presence in this place. We know that you want to continue to be at work, Father, even now as we come to the close of this service and even after. But Father, we pray particularly for these next few moments. We pray that you may be able to speak to our hearts now that we have heard your word, understand what your scripture has said. Father, help us to make the application that you would have us to make. Help us to recognize that you're king of kings. And let's be sure that we're making you the king of our heart, king of our life, submitting ourselves to you, putting everything that we have under your control. We pray, Father, if there's one here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that even this Old Testament passage might be able to speak and reveal that Jesus Christ has a plan for Israel, has a plan for the world, has a plan for everyone here today and all those who are listening. And that plan includes putting our faith in the Lord Jesus. We thank you how you're going to continue to be at work. We thank you, Father, for this church. We thank you for the opportunity, Father, to be in your presence and be a part of the kingdom. Lift up these prayers in the precious name of Jesus.